0: I want to begin, I want to begin by telling you how much I missed you, how much I missed being together with you, even though I know it's a new chav, some of the old chav, but to be together, first of all, with Mary, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Miller, and all the Tamil Chachamim, your rebellion, Sadikim who love you and who live for you, or uh, here at uh, midnight, on a Thursday night, Meshchayadesh, Meshchayadesh Adar, Pei Beis, I want to thank the to thank the Yeshiva, Reish Yerushalayim, the Marcus family, of course, the Yeshiva, and my dear friends, Reb and Reb Jonathan, a little back in New York and Yeshiva University and Yeshiva over here or of the Yeshiva so much has happened. So much has happened over the past few years. Things that we never imagined. A Mahapecha. A Mahapha whole world has been turned inside out, outside in, upside down. And even now, these past few days, there's this mysterious and dark place in the world where many, many, many great tzaddikim taught Torah for a long time, and many, many, many holy Jews were shechted HaKadosh Hashem. And there's a Maha that's taking place right now in the world, in our lives, in our hearts. And we're now at the beginning of Achaydash Hashanah Pechleham, Mjogin Lesimcham, Aveliantav. Achaydash Hashanah Pechleham. The month where everything turned around, where there was a Maha I want to talk to you about this for a few minutes. I don't have the time. This isn't a sheer. It's a, a little bit just like I say always when I speak in Yeshiva. But we call it a Friends talking, just sharing a feeling, a hergish that I have. When I get when I get back home, I try to tell my brothers and sisters and tell everybody what what this is over here, this night that we have once a year. We missed a few years, but this night. When I'm going to get back to where I'm staying in Yerushalayim, my wife's going to say, "No, was it? How was it? Was it what you were hoping for?" And it's always way way beyond anything I I could possibly hope for. So many faces here of people that I that I love beyond words, and those that I don't know. But you're you're learning Torah, you're learning Torah in Israel. Well. It's a shanamu it's an ibiyar. You said this morning the words the chalparas parsha It's a time of tshuva. It's shmita. The whole year is Shabbos dik. The whole year is Yam Kippudik. It's, it's an Ibiyar, It's a leap year. So let me talk to you a drop about what does that mean? A leap year. It's a very big Indian. The whole first month of Adar, I was talking a lot about it in different places. The sun, the moon, I'm sure you've heard about it, you've been talking about it, and we're all davening, that We should be able to live a life of to see that time of the moon being restored to what it once was at the time of Bracious which means me and you and Am Yisrael and the world being fixed. You know, there was, a, there was a tzaddik, and I want to begin with a gart with a, a from this tzaddik. This is Sholem from Bell's Slusi You know, he first came to Lublin to learn by the Chayza. Nobody knew who he was. He was a huge Talmud a young man, very, very hidden. Nobody knew who he was. And the first time that the, that the Sashon from Bells appeared in Lublin was by the night of Purim. And he was a stranger. You can imagine that in Lublin, by the Khaiza there were probably even more people than we have right now here, inside the Visam, outside the Vesem trying to get in for the Megillah Lane. And the chayza was called the chayza because he had unusual eyes. He saw through things and through people and beyond what other people can see. And the chayza was looking around the Visa Medrash for somebody. And then he pointed to the to this young stranger, Shalom from Belz, and he called him over and he said, I want you to lay in the megillah. I don't know what happened to the regular Balkari, but that's pretty scary to be called up to lay in the megillah on the spot, and also by the chozer from Lublin. And it's not Shalom laying in the megillah. Nobody knew who he was. Obviously, he was somebody who caught the eye of the chozer. And. And he lay the Megillah and the whole Megillah Lane, the Khaiza couldn't hold himself. He was exploding. And even though the even though the lane, like a regular lane, and nobody else understood what's going on, but the Khaizah heard something. And later that night some of the older chassidim went and they asked the Rebbe, What was it with that young man? Who is he? What was the what was the Rebbe so excited about? And the Chayza said, you know, I've heard that story told so many times, but I never in my life heard somebody tell it the way that he told it. And the Chassidim spoke about this, what the Rabbi said later on, and over the years it's been discussed. And all of you know the halachim, the Karyos HaMegillah, I'm afraid, that if you read the Megillah backwards, the it has to be read in the right order. And you also know that Tov taught the L'm-a-fair means that if you read the Megillah and you think that it's just a story about something that happened once upon a time, that you're not really yet right say what the Megillah is. The Megillah, of course, like the Maurinaim says in other tzaddikim, as Megillah sastres, Godly, says, is to reveal that which is most hidden. Not to tell a story just about something that once was but to tell us our own story about what we're going through right now and who we are and what we could do right now in our lives, what's happening to us right now in our lives. So let's try to think for a moment. I'm going to share with you a Torah from that tzaddik, the Sashalom, And to concentrate, each and every one of us, to think about what the Sashalom is telling us. Megillah begins by telling us about the the greatness of Achishverj and the size of that Malchus, 127 Medinas And there's an argument in the Gemara, Rav and Shmuel in Megillah Daf So what is the distance from Haidu to Kush? It's Machlekes and the Gemara. It's an interesting Machlekes geography. Whatever these two places are now, how we identify them now, it's not important at this moment. What's important is that there's a Haydu and Kush inside of us. And Rav and Shmuel are trying to understand something about the haidu and kush of our lives. So Chad once said that these two places were at opposite ends of creation of the world. Opposite ends of the world. Haidu Ba Saifa Kush Ba but Hodu, nowadays they translate it as India, but it's Lavdavka, exactly. But Haidu, Masayfa is one end of the world, and Kush is at the other end of the world. The two farthest points on the globe are Haidu and Kush. V'chad that's one opinion. The other opinion is, v'kush gabehadad that haidu and kush were right next to each other. When we learn these things in yeshiva, we're wondering, it's machlekes and metzis? What does that mean? And usually when you have a disagreement about something in mitzias we're talking about some slight variation or difference. But to have a machlekes and mitzias haidu b'sayf and Kush is beside Hilo that either we're talking about two places that are furthest apart in the world which means the galaxy, the universe or they're mamish right next to each other it's a strange machlokas so Sasha Olam from Bell said listen carefully, I want you to listen very, very carefully and deeply because it would take hours really to talk about this, and one would have to learn properly the Qasimaifer from the Hiliga Kamana to understand the beginning of Megillah's Esther, the whole Megillah, but especially that first Pasik. Haidu and Kush aren't just two places in the world. They're two ways of life, two ways of thinking. Hoidu is the lotion of Haud, which means splendor and glory means the beauty of the Tzaddik height means darkness blackness and darkness just the opposite so there are two kinds of Jews look All of us have moments, sometimes hours, weeks, months, and years of being stuck in kush. Of being stuck in a certain dark place. One kind of a person who's going through that, who's living in kush, when he thinks of moving to a life that's called Haredu, when he thinks of changing, of anahafaychu, of changing his life, his davening, his midas his kedushas hadibas, kedushas his, his learning—that for this person, it seems that it's simply the other end of the universe it's impassable, impossible it's beyond his reach it's too far away he admires when he, he looks at Sadiqim, when he's in yeshiva and he sees another Bacha that's steiging and learning and endavening and avayda and kedusha he looks at that person, he's envious, he feels, ah, it would be so beautiful if I could only live in Hodu, in the world of Hode. But unfortunately, I am a citizen in the darkness that's called Kush. And for this person, the idea of traveling internally Within himself to be that person even for a period of time, to be that person that is shining with the height of the tzaddik For this person it seems that it's simply too far. It's too hard. I can't do it. I can't finish a misachta, you know, bee in G'marashi Tayasis. I can't I can't go a week, a month, some people in a, a day, without looking at certain things or thinking about certain things. And if you say to me, but but that's the tachlis of our being in the world, you say, do me a favor. My friend, I know that, but there's a distance between Haidu and kush. And I'm a person that lives in kush. It's my life. It's been my whole life, kush. You know how many times I've had guys that have told me that from the time that they're 13, 14 that they've been lost in, in Kush. and I can't get to something that's called a haidu I can't get to that place I, I admire the Jews of haidu I respect them, I love them but it's not me I can't change in such a way I can't travel from from Kush. To Haidu. It's too far. It says in the Gemara, the two opposite ends of the universe. But then you have another person, even though he has spent considerable time, sometimes even more time, in the land of Kush. He remembers a few words that are found almost at the very end of Chumash. My dear friend Eitam Katz made a beautiful niggin recently. Maybe we could sing it, we could sing it afterwards. And this Jew who also knows what it's like, the bitterness of Kush, the emptiness of Kush, the ugliness and the darkness of Kush. But this Jew... Still believes somehow after all of these after all of these years he still believes that somehow somehow. And like the Gemara says that according to the second opinion, that the two places of Haidu mamish next door to each other. The Baruch is saying to each and every one of us that I want you to know that this place of coming to me, that's called Haidu, It's not. It's not misceful. You feel that it's on the other end of the world, and the Amari was only talking about that feeling that you have, of it being across the universe, that you could never be in that place. You can never go a week without and Hara. You can never go a half hour t- to keep your head in the sogi You know, you can't do it. But this person knows, so he believes. That's the teaching of the Sashom from Bells. Now we can understand, even on our level, what it means. Thinking of drinking on Purim. Rabbi Lebel already said a long time ago that Livisume doesn't have to come with actually drinking a glass of wine. Livasumi means to become intoxicated, to become shikr. I know Jews who never drink in their shikr with Akash or their shikr with tyre and But what does it mean, Ad Leyada? It means that this second person of believes that even though right now in my life I live like Haman it seems that my life is a life of Haman and people have told me that there's a huge distance between Haman and Mordechai, between making myself from a Haman into a Mordechai into an Ish Yehudi but Adliyada means Adliyada ben Arham lach Boruch means that I believe Bemunis Shleima in vinaha feicho inachaydesha she ne'aperch lham. I believe Bemunis Shleima that I can change. That in a minute, in a minute, I could start. I could turn my life around, just like the whole world. Nobody would have believed. Nobody would have. You would be telling stories like the last two years have been like science fiction stories. Who would have even to make up stories like what you've been living through? Adlyada means that I'm able to leap. A leap here. I believe that even though I've been in Kush for a while and even though and even though I feel like I'm so far away but I believe within one minute, in one second I could turn my life around. There could be even a half I could jump across that distance between Kush and go back to Haidu. Every single person who's in this gym right now, in this room right now. Every single one of you wants to do that. Every single one of you, you're here because you want to do that. I don't just mean here tonight. You're here in Echishel. You're here in Yeshiva. Because you want to, you want to move from Kush to Haidu. You don't want to live. There's not one person that's here right now that expects or that wants to live life in kush to spend your life in kush maybe every now and then to visit but certainly not to live in kush but there's something that's in the way there's something that causes a Jew to think that the truth is that and that something is what we call Amalek. let me explain a long time ago. Hashem's Baruch took us out of Mitzrayim. Until that time, the world was submerged in filth. In filth. The whole world was kush. Filth. ervas ha'arez. Ugliness, insanity, immorality, idolatry. The whole world was buried in filth. And then all of a sudden, like Rav Kook says, Pesach is the Aviv HaOlam. All of a sudden, the springtime of creation arrived and a change took place. Something remarkable began to happen. There was a revolution that began. And we left Mitzvahim. And the strangest thing took place. The water became dry land that it changed. It turned, there was a V'nahafeichu from the Yom Tiyabasha of an afeichu. and <laughs> The nations of the world, even these worlds, these nations that were Mamish, Mamish, disgusting. Disgusting. We can't be massing how low these people were. And even these people, <laughs> suddenly the world began to shake, began to tremble the world began to think that you know what there's something different, there's something better we don't have to live this way we don't have to remain imprisoned in, in kush in darkness there's a different mahalach, there's a different way there was one person by the name of Yisrael Hitaka he heard. and it's hard to believe in one possek the words Yishma. Yisra, ma'isha. Yisra was the was the Rebbe of all of Hodesar, you understand. He was the biggest galach in the world. He was the Reish of, of all the Tum of the world, Yisra. And in, in one passage it says that this Koyhein Midian turned his life around. He became Chaysein Moshe. Became Chaysein so Moshe. But Yishmi he heard and he changed. And he was able to jump, to leap from that lowest place of Chayyim, to become Chayysein Moshe, from Kush to Haidu, because they're... they're next to each other. The Vemis they're next to each other. But then something happened that prevented. Israel was able to overcome this somehow, but the rest of the world, the rest of the world, is still struggling, and so are we. malik. Now, There are many explanations of what that means. was the of malik. We don't have time. It's late. It's almost Shabbos. But this we know. The thing of Amalek is that you can't change. Let me share with you from the Kavatsim of Rav Kuk, the sixth and the sixth kavitz Ois Reis Aleph. It's a hard say for the Kavatsim, but if you have a chance, take a look. Kaivitz Vav Reis Nun Aleph. I'll read you just a few words. Rav Kuk identifies Amalek. What is Amalek? A he says, "Einoyachol nisim A nisim cannot bear the supernatural. A cannot bear, cannot tolerate, cannot accept anything that's beyond nature, that's miraculous. iteva In the same way that Amalek cannot accept that there's such a thing that water can become dry land and that bread could fall from shamayim and that uh, the Nile could turn into blood, that same Amalek Kuk says, cannot believe, cannot accept. Cannot accept that a person can turn his life around. That a person can transcend his natural inclination, his natural desires. The whole Mitzvah says the is there's no such thing as vinahafaichu. Ain't the raqa zebullah. There's no such thing as What is is just as water. There's water and land, there's land. You are a citizen of Kush. There are other Jews that were maybe created by God and somehow the God wove into the fabric of their beings something extraordinary, some tzaddik. But that's not you. You were created as a Kush dweller. You are far away. Kedusha is the other end of the universe. You hear about it, you dream about it, you learn about it, you talk about it, but it's not you. Because you're doomed to the nature of who you are. I can't tell you how many times I've had married couples will come talk to me, there's some Indian, they come to the office, I look at them, the wife is crying, and he's looking at my svarim. This has happened many, many times. Oh, I didn't know put out the new... And she's sitting there crying. you listening. No, what are you here for? What is it? So he says, She's upset about something. And she's just crying. And the two of them are sitting there. And I ask, So tell me, what is it, Rivka? And she starts to describe a little bit of her life with her tzaddik. With uh, whatever his name is, Uh, Yanko. Anger, sometimes abusive anger, sometimes physical abuse. Children ignored, her being ignored. And then I'll ask Yanko what do you have to say about this is it true that what, what Rivke is saying that about your temper, about your anger and abusiveness I can't tell you how many times the answer to that question has been Rabbi what, what should I tell you first he'll say something she also was, you know, I'm, I'm talking past that stuff about her and Yon but then he'll say something like this almost every time Maybe what could I do? My father was like that, and that's the home that I grew up in an angry home, a home without happiness, a home where a wife was ignored, my mother was ignored, where I was ignored, where I was hurt, siblings were hurt, who live That's who I am. And when you ask this person the silly question why have you allowed your past to define your present? You can change. You don't have to be your father. You could talk to your wife, you could smile to your children, you don't have to continue on with this misery of your past. But when I say those words, are you listening, boys? When I say those words, I sound to him like I'm talking from the hoidu bis kush. You understand? Hoidu to kush. I'm trapped. Rebbe. you don't understand. I'm trapped. Everybody nowadays, it's an addiction. Alcohol. Smoking looking at things different types of behavior and then less extreme forms of that but it's always you don't understand I was raised in kush it's the only world that I know I feel bad. I love my wife I hate myself there's nothing I can do about it I'm stuck and then of course I try Then I spend a lot of time you're wrong you're wrong I understand that you feel that way that you can't cross over but you're wrong the truth is that the truth is the metzias is that are right next to each other Listen now to Rav Kook's words. Whereas a malik is telling a person and is telling the world, you cannot change. You're stuck. Forget about whatever you see. Forget about whatever you see. You have had your own life. You're stuck. L'umazeh, Hashem created me and you. Yisro, Yotze Hashem. Lavkiyas, Choymas The words are the sweetest words. Lumaz, in contradistinction to Amalek, Hashem created the Jewish people. That means me and you. Rav Kook is not just talking about vahibim echashveir shlemafreyo. That the Baruch Shalom created me and you, every Jew, Yisrael yotza Hashem laavkias chayim asateva. What does that mean, laavkias chayim asateva? To break down, to shatter that wall of teva of nature, of man's nature, of the world's nature. Umitzius hanisim asu chalones bahateva and Hashem performed miracles that you and I believe in. And by doing so, Hashem made windows in that wall between what's called reality and that which is beyond reality, that which is supernatural. <inaudible> Hashem is baruch, has created each and every Jew in such a way, where there are windows in that wall. And he's able to see beyond his nature. And he's able to get a glimpse of that. That godly light. That godly light. That every single one of you has felt. This Pezman. Here and there. And in your lives. Here and there. During davening. During learning. am Kippur. Akumzitz. Whatever it is. That light. That comes from some place beyond Amalek, beyond Kush, That comes straight from Haidu. And whereas Amalek says, listen, you're either an or person or you're a Baruch Mardchai person. Who are you? Now, if you had to, together with all the different tests that you have to pay to travel these days, if you had to fill out on a paper, they ask you, are you Arah Haman or you're Baruch Mardichai? You have to just check. Are or Baruch Mardichai? Who are you? So Amalek says, Amalek demands an answer to that question, an honest answer to that question. And let's face it. Most of us, if we look back over mistakes that we've made and struggles that we would have, we would shrug our shoulders and say, well, I guess, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm someplace in between. And they say, come on. There's no such thing in between. So we the are you a, a hum person? Fill out the box. Are you a, are you a Baruch or a hum? So you're watching, like, you know, you're watching like the Babasali go through customs, you know? You watch the Chavez Chaim going through and, Chaim Soif and the You're watching Rav Kook and Chavetz Chaim. You're watching the Tzaddik can go through Tzaddik, go Tzaddik. You don't have to put your nose in your mouth and your ears and your eyes. Tzaddik, shine, and then you stop there. And and uh, and let's say you filled out Tzaddik, you know. So they start to ask you a lot of questions because you look suspicious. We look suspicious, no? If the, if the if the guy has good eyes, he'll see that we look suspicious. he'll say, get over, here. you're not at Sadi, get over to the Uru Haman. Get over there on the Arahaman lie. You're travelling straight non stop to Kush. You never left Kush. That's Amalik, you understand? That Mahalik. Purim is adliodaban Baruch Bahmarkha, you're a lawyer. You're a shakman. You're a lawyer. You're telling me that I can't leave Kush, even for, I can't get a break from Kush. I can't move out of Kush. You're telling me that I can't, I can't spend this entire hour learning because of A, B, and C, because of what I saw last night, or what I'm thinking about this morning. You, you're telling me I can't go to, to Haidu even as a stopover, even for a little bit, I can't take a trip to Haidu. You know, there's a story from Aya Levine this year, but I'm sorry, I decided I don't care about the time. I wasn't here for a long time, so I don't care. About that. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Levine, you know, you don't have to go so far as, You know where he's buried? Honestly, I didn't know until the last time we were in Israel, two years ago. And, and I, I was reading in a safe. He's buried in the middle of Yushalayim, Sanhedrin, <coughs> in the old cemetery in Sanhedrin. It's not so old. are the, a lot of Siddiquim over there. That's where Rabbi Avadi Yosef is buried. In that cemetery, Rabbi Levine is buried there. It means you walk on Shmuel Navi. If you have a couple of minutes, stop off over there. Rabbi Levi in the Tzadikim Shlames is buried over there. So I once told a safe about Rabbi that there's a little boy. There's a, a, a Yushalmi, he was a mechutzes, and he and he pushed through all the all the, the Rabonim and the and, Tzadikim, and he went over. Rabbi was there, and he went over right to Rabbi, and he pulled in Rabbi's coat, and he said, "Are you one of the Lama of siddikim?" He asked. Are you one of the He asked Rabbi, "Are you one of the Lama of so everybody said, no, 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 you know, to grab this kid and pull him away. And, and other people were laughing. The only one who was like, like shaken by the question was Avariyah. And he was quiet. And then everybody was quiet. And Avariyah looked at the boy and he said, sometimes, sometimes I'm a Lama of And you could also be sometimes a Lama Vav Sometimes you could be a Lama Vav Amalik says it's a lie. Amalik says that story is Boba Mice. Maybe you said it, you know, it's very sweet. But you can't be. You can't sit and learn Biritsifas for a day. You can't keep yourself off of the, of the of whatever it is that you're that's pulling you. You can't you can't stay off of that for an extended period of time. Because soft self. It says on your passport, you're from Kush. Once a Kushite, always a Kushite. That's a Malek. The Halyantiv of Purim is Venahafrechu. Ashi Yishu to Ayudim Haimab Senehim. Ashi Yishu to Ayudim Haimab Senehim. Venahafrechu means that a Jew is different. I'm not talking about comparing ourselves to the nations of the world. And I'm not getting into any theology or philosophy here tonight. But I'm going to share with you just one one Gilo, one revelation from the Baal Shem which is discussed at length by the Kamar and his parish on Gil You remember when Haman was all excited that he was going to be the one that's Kamir He's gonna be the one that's gonna be taken out to the the horse of the royal clothing, khule. He was all excited. So listen to what the Tev taught. The Kavana talks about this, explains this in all this form. That the letters Kha, Kaf Khaf like this like this this is the, what's going to be done for the person who the king loves who the king desires who the king's mash so the kesser says that the crown of all crowns now it could be that some of you have studied the Swarmak But I think that all of you probably know that in the order of creation, without going into any union in of Kabbalah, but all of you know that in the order of creation, the highest is called keser, right? Some of you, you know the keser is the highest in the And then after keser, you have chachma benedaz, Malchus. keser means when there's something that's beyond understanding it's, it's that which defines your very essence, the essence of who you are and when it says in the passage when it says in the passage, it means that there is a certain human being in the world that's called a Jew this one is called Reb Jonathan, this one's called Chaimoishe, this one's called Reb Josh. each of us with our names and Reb it means that each and every one of us comes from that world that's called Kesar Kolak For the deepest, deepest point of the will of the Creator, the Infinite Creator. This is also called in Kabbalah Reisha the unknowable beginning. Why does Hashem love me? If I'm a Kush, if I'm a miserable member of Kush, why would he love me? Why would he care if I come back to him? Why would it make a difference if I learned this Taishviz? Why would it make a difference if I stay away for one night from this thing? or if I don't say this word, why would it make a difference to him? Kacha! Ashreiom shekachalai! Ashreiom shehashem It means that a Jew comes from a place that's called keseh kolaksorim. Reishadol isyadah. Reishadol isyadah. Spells Adar. The month of Adar. Reishadol isyadah means the unknowable beginning that we don't understand how or why. But this we know. A Jew is not mashubat etavah that a Jew is not bound by his nature. And even if you did something a thousand times, a million times you yelled at your wife, you don't have to do that again. And even if you drank this or smoked that a thousand times, and it's every single study shows that you're kush, 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 finished. And Amalik says, don't even bother. How do? for alam. Leave it for the tzaddikim who are clean. You're filthy. So you say, Rabbi Malik, listen to me, Rabbi Malik, Rabbi Haman, listen, I want to tell you something. I'm a Jew. I come from another place. It's called Me'eva Hanahar. Oy, what that Riakhod is, what the Zakhod talks about, Eva Hanahar, the other side of the river. I come from another place. I come, I'm an Ivri, and Ivri is Me'eva from beyond anything that you could possibly understand. Rabbi Malik, you're stuck in the world of Teva. You're stuck in that world, and you don't believe in miracles. You don't believe, the, you don't believe in the miraculous change. I, can, I, know, I know hundreds more than hundreds of people that I've seen in my life who have changed miraculously. I know people. I see people. There are people in this room that I know who have done that, who are doing it right now. Right, what about all the laws of Amalek and laws of Kush? It's Nibia. It's a leap it's a time when everything is reset, recalibrated. Back to the beginning with the Uralavana, with the changing light of the moon, we're able to taste that time in the future when it's going to be the Urhalvanaka because Shiva that everything is going to be the light of the moon is going to be forever. And as great as it once was, not smashed and crashed and falling and the darkness setting in again, but it will be shining and bright forever. That's the Koyach of a Yid, that's the Koyach of Purim. And that's why you see Jews that normally the whole year, they can't conceive of being Sadiqim, but in Purim it's Adel Yadah. There is no space between Aram and In one second, Baruch Mardachai from Arham and in one second from Kush, Baruch Mardachai. How is that possible? It can't be. Like have Kuki explained, Amalek doesn't believe in miracles. Can't bear, can't tolerate miracles. The terrorist is, a Jew be'etzim is a miracle. I'm telling you, and there are many of you who I know of here, my parents, my father, was, my mother, my mother graduated from a place called, called Auschwitz. You heard of it, right? My father graduated from a place called matthausen That's where they went for the summer and winter and fall and spring, to camp, not to marasha You understand? Not not there's anything wrong with Mar-a-Sha. It's wonderful. I will everybody should be able to be in safe, good, healthy places. Camp camp Auschwitz and Camp Matthausen And I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to understand it. And I grew up with these my parents and other Jews, their fellow survivors. <coughs> and if you could find any explanation that would, that would satisfy Amalek, who tried to finish them off, of how was it possible that these people would ever smile again, let alone keep mitzvahs again, let alone learn Torah again, and raise Jewish families again, and sing again, you say, it's not possible. But that's what Rav Kook says. Yisrael Hashem, created the Jewish people to break down that wall, to shatter, to break down that wall. Therefore, the Beren Shalom says, teach everything most right now, I'm going to end. sorry, I know it's late. I mean, I feel bad for the Rebbeim. For the guys, it's okay, but for the Rebbeim, I feel bad much. to go and fight against the Malik. that's the Tzav hasho. that's what the Baruch Shulim is telling us right now you want You want to turn your life around you want to see that it's possible to go from a life there are people now you know that there's a terrible tzara that has become much more in the open about so many so many it's hard to believe Jewish boys and girls men and women who have lived through terrible disgusting abuse it's not a so, it's not a secret. There are people who try to keep it a secret, but it's not a secret. And I look at these people, and I'm, especially the past few months, there hasn't been a week where I haven't spoken to at least three or four of these because It triggered so much in them. So much from the past. And at the beginning, when they faced that ugliness, again, kush, they're convinced that it's not possible for me to get out of this place of Kush. I'll never be able to smile again, I'll never be able to live again. But I've seen that miracle also, that change. I've seen it. It doesn't go away. It's a terrible, 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 terrible sorrow. But there's a koyach that the Yid has because of racial release each and every one of you has to know that Hashem wants more than anything we don't understand it it's Kesser Sarm. Can we explain it that Hashem wants you and I to be close to him more than anything else he loves he loves in the deepest way each and every one of us in such a way that he can't bear keyal being without us he can't bear being without us <speaking in Hebrew> And if you ask why the terrorist is, Kacha. like they say in zel, it's a matziz, that's the matziz. So let me just end with a, with a little story. I began with a little story, I'll end with a little story. And I apologize for taking so much of your time. I think that many of, you, many of you know this story. It was written up, It's already over 40 years ago, maybe 35, 40 years ago, I remember reading it first. There was a professor that had the privilege of speaking to the Hildegah Blue Javarebi, Professor Eliach, and she spoke to the Blue about about what he went through during the, during the war. Now, I had this chus <laughs> to meet the Blue Jewish Rebbe a number of times. <laughs> he was a, a shining tzaddik, a huge tamachachim, a huge tzaddik, the Blue Jewish Rebbe, Rabbi Saul Shapira. He went through Gehenna, And he came out. He was able to remarry. Actually, his son... The, from, the, uh, from, that, from the second wife that she had a child that he raised it was the Rebbe that recently passed away a few years ago, the blue Rebbe so he told over Amaisa that I'm pretty sure that many of you have heard but I wanted to say it over now tonight because it's the Indian say hi Lachim Ba'am say hi Lachim Ba'am He was in concentration camp. Not one that was so well known the name. And, you know, the worst thing in those places was if if word would get out that that somebody was a rabbi or a rosh Because the Germans, if they heard that somebody was a rabbi or a shiva, they they would finish them off right away. So it was a well-kept secret in the camp that this was the famous tzaddik, the bluzzer rabbi. But he was shaven like everybody and wearing the same shmatas as everybody. And there was a secular Jew there, not only like sort of an anti-religious Jew there in the camp of the Blue Jarebi that didn't even have the derech eris to call him quietly, rebbe. he called him Shpirah because he had no respect for religion, this person. He was completely non-religious, even anti-religious. But somehow the two of them took a great liking to each other and him and the blue Jewish they worked together, and they were always together in camp. And he would speak to the blue Jewish like you speak to a friend, no, no rabbi stuff, your friend. And the day it arrived where the Germans were, were finished with these Jews and their work, and they were lined up, and there was a huge pit, a huge cavern that was very, very wide, cavernous pit in the ground. And the Jews already had heard about what was next. They heard stories and they understood that they were going to be shot. And that was the end of them and they were going to be thrown into the, into the pit. My father, Lashon, actually spent a night climbing out of such a pit. And I remember the nightmares when I was growing up from, from that time that he remembered trying to climb out but there were other Jews that were still screaming and alive and they were dying in that in some pit that he was thrown into when they were shot And the Nazis, the Germans, wanted to have some fun. You know, they they didn't just want... They they wanted some entertainment and they didn't just want to shoot these these Jews. They wanted to have some fun. So they made an offer and they said that any one of you who is able to jump over the pit, you can live. We won't shoot you. So when it comes time... And we count to three, jump. Whoever makes it across will live. This is even an Olympic jumper could not do this. And these were people could, who couldn't, barely, could barely walk. So it was just a cruel thing to watch the Jews make, degrade themselves even more at the last minute of life. So the bluja was standing there together with his friend, the two of them. And the Rebbe said to him, so this guy said to the, to the Rebbe, he said, no spear. I guess this is it. And the Rebbe said to him that when, that when he yells jump, jump as hard as you can. And the Germans screamed out, Ein Jai. And the shooting began, screaming and everybody getting shot. And, and there were only two people who crossed over this pit. And that was the blue Rabbi and, and his secular friend. And the, and the Germans were staring from across the other side. They didn't know what happened, how this could be that they flew over that. And they were staring at They didn't know what to do, and they just left him alone. And, the, and this guy, this Jew, he turned to the rabbi, and he, but now he called him rabbi. And he said to him, Rabbi, how'd you do that? And he said, to tell you the truth... I was holding on to the coattails of my holy ancestors, the tzaddikim. But the rabbi said to his friend, but how did you do that? And he said, rabbi, I was holding on to you the whole time. Chava, thank God we don't have to live in such times. And we're not standing at the edge of such a pit. But each and every one of, know, each and every one of you knows, you know, what exactly is that pit in your life that you're standing at the edge of? And what Purim is telling you, especially in a, a leap year, in a what Purim is telling you is to jump. You can cross over. You can do it. Just you have to hold on to the coattails of your rebellion, of your teachers, of the tzaddikim, of the sramachdashim. You can cross over. I want to give a bracha to each and every one of you. Hashem's bar should open your eyes and they should shine like the the sun and the moon. And you should know how much the barn a shalom, how desperately Hashem wants to be close to you. And you should feel every moment of your life. You should say,